Talk Radio. Migrant caravan in over a year headed to open U.S. border. 15,000 illegal migrants in Christmas caravan, and it's growing every day. The largest migrant caravan in over a year is on its way to the open border of the southern United States. The Christmas caravan left on December 25th from southern Mexico and is led by activist Luis Garcia Villagran. And again, the most frustrating part of all of it is how easy it would be to fix, how simple it would be to prevent all of this from happening. And yet the longer it goes on with every day that our border is open, the ultimate project and work we have ahead of us is made that much more difficult, be that much more dangerous. Now, these people want you to think that it's somehow anti-American and a imposition of violence. Simply put up a wall or... You know, some sort of barbed wire fence. This is unacceptable to them. Can't happen. Won't happen. They won't do it. They won't deploy that type of violence. Really what they're just setting us up for is a much more significant level of violence in the future as we have to undo what they're doing right now. Just don't for a second think that just because they've flooded the country with tens of millions of people that that means we have to accept it. And that like with every month that another million come in, we should have to go, well, shoot, they got away with that million. Nothing we can do about that. And now there's a lot we can do about that. There is, in fact, a political solution to this because this is a political problem. It's not overwhelming. It's not something we can't handle. It's not something that we just can't do anything about. It's something that our leadership is doing on purpose. And if we had different leadership, they could do something else. And they were doing something else, like when Trump was in office. And just to illustrate how ridiculous all of this is, end wokeness on Twitter says the annual cost of accommodating the millions of illegals in this country and the annual cost is nearly half a trillion dollars, four hundred and fifty one billion dollars a year, four hundred fifty one billion dollars a year care for process the illegal migrants in this country cost of the border wall would have been about 15 billion we couldn't even get 5 billion when trump was in office and we controlled the congress and the senate couldn't even get 5 billion it's too expensive it's too much money so instead we're spending 451 billion dollars a year to take care of and house and provide the transportation for, provide the legal services for, and provide the courtroom facilities for foreigners, people that are not American, contributed absolutely nothing to this country by definition, and yet are costing us half a trillion dollars a year while we simultaneously spend probably about that much defending the borders of Israel and Ukraine, amongst others. Echo Chamber on Twitter says this, the great replacement is accelerating. 15% of the U.S. population is foreign-born and is growing three times faster than when Trump was in office. In October 2023, the foreign-born share was the highest in history at at 49.5 million, and 15% of the U.S. population 
immigrants now at a record. Since President Biden took office in January 2021, the foreign-born population has grown by 4.5 million, larger than the individual populations of 25 U.S. states. While other networks lie to you about what's happening now, InfoWars tells you the truth about what's happening next. Welcome to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith. It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you are excited for an awesome New Year's celebration this weekend. We are going to cut to break in about 20 seconds or so, so I just want to take this opportunity to plug our new game-changing New Year's specials from InfoWars, which are here. Get up to 60% off, plus free shipping and double Patriot points. The new year is upon us. It's time to reevaluate your approach to your supplement routine with these InfoWars essentials. Check it out at InfoWarsStore.com and stick with us, folks, for more news on the other side. It's Friday, December 29th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And you're listening to The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch it live right now at band.video. I think it's time to blow this thing. Get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. All right, welcome to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. We are going to be rebroadcasting this episode on Monday as that is New Year's Day. But I will be with you again on Tuesday as well. So you're going to have two days of me. Three, really, if you count the rebroadcast. I'm very much looking forward to being with you this morning. So much news to cover. Obviously, the big story is this news that Maine has decided to remove Donald Trump from the primary ballot for 2024. And it was basically seemingly a unilateral decision by the Secretary of State. I do want to run clip number five here in a second just to give some context. But they're just deciding that Trump is guilty. There's been no conviction. There's no been no charges of insurrection. Of course, there's been allegations and accusations, but there's been no conviction. And they're just deciding based on whatever evidence they believe is evidence, whatever facts they perceived on the internet or via his tweets or communications, that he is guilty of violating the 14th Amendment. And under the 14th Amendment, they are allowed, therefore, then to remove him from the ballot. They are just making the decision without any sort of trial that he is ineligible for office for ballot access. This all despite the fact that for the last several years, they've been saying how much of a threat to democracy Donald Trump is, how much of a threat to democracy right-wing extremism is, and how MAGA Republicans are the greatest threat to democracy. They're not even giving the people the option to vote for the leading candidate in the election. So we know that their claims that they're all pro-democracy have just really been a lie. They haven't been true whatsoever. It's totally hypocritical. They're using every mechanism at their disposal, every legal mechanism to remove Donald Trump from every ballot possible, just like the Democrats did in 1860 against Abraham Lincoln when he was removed from 10 states because they don't want the voters to actually have a choice. Now, if they thought that the Democrats could win or if they thought Joe Biden could actually win legitimately, then they wouldn't have to fight to remove Trump from the ballot. And actually, there is an optimistic standpoint to this. There is there is some light at the end of the tunnel for this. It means that they know or they believe that they can't cheat enough to win if he's on the ballot. I mean, if the cheating was enough, they wouldn't have to remove him from the ballot and embarrass themselves and be obviously hypocritical about their values and principles and support and advocacy for democracy. Now it's abundantly clear that they're lying about that. So the fact is they're removing him from the ballot because 
they know there's actually a path to victory for him. There's no other incentive or reason for them to go through this hassle other than to ensure victory in 2024. So for those of you who for the last couple of years since this illegitimate election in 2020 have been claiming that voting is useless and a waste of time and we don't need to be going out and voting and we should, it doesn't make any difference what we do or what we say or how we vote because it's all rigged and it's all set up, then why is it that they're removing him from the ballot? I mean, it seems to me that they're actually attempting to rig this election, absolutely. But if it was rigged in terms of counting ballots... In terms of how the actual election day process went, how the mail-in ballots went, if it was 100% rigged, guaranteed rigged, now I know that they're cheating, but if it was absolutely rigged, then they wouldn't have to go through this measure. And so I'm actually encouraged that they're doing this because A, they're showing the world who they really are. They're showing the Democrats who they really are, and they're getting backlash from both Democrats and Republicans. And B, it proves that there is some legitimacy to our election process. I'm not saying it's fully legitimate. I'm not saying it's fully fair. I believe that we have to win by greater than 50% in order to actually win because of the cheating that the left is notorious for, famous for, basically ever since the 60s, starting in Cook County or Detroit, all the way up to now, we've been cheating. But the fact that they need him off the ballot, the fact that they're trying this in multiple states at the same time proves that if he's on the ballot, they know there's a way that they can lose, which means they don't have it in the bag. They don't have the rigging, the cheating in the bag. Let's go ahead and see what she had to say here in clip five. This is the main secretary of state talking about removing Donald Trump from the primary ballot. It's a very detailed decision. Uh, we lay out uh, why under Maine law, the secretary of state has the authority, indeed the obligation. I'm duty bound to make this determination. Uh, we also, I rather um, laid out that the record demonstrates that, in fact, the events of January 6, 2021, which were unprecedented and tragic, uh, were an insurrection uh, in the meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And finally, uh, in reviewing the facts presented, the evidence, uh, the law, the history, um, we determined uh, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that Mr. Trump engaged in insurrection. And therefore, it was disqualified. Now, I, I, I have to say, not only is this an incredibly important decision, but it's a very brave decision. Brave. Uh, the Trump campaign has, has already come out attacking you. Uh, they have said that you are a, a virulent leftist and a hyperpartisan Biden-supporting Democrat. First and foremost, it's important to know, my oath to the Constitution, my obligations to the Constitution and rule of law come before any other consideration. No other factors could weigh on that decision and did not. I'm duty bound to both hold a hearing and make a ruling. And under the law, there's a very compressed timeline uh, in evaluating this. Uh, I came to the conclusion that I could not, unfortunately or fortunately, wait for the United States Supreme Court to make a de decision uh, the main law required me to issue that decision, which I did today. I smiled because we were number one in voter turnout per capita in 2022. We are really proud of that. And we have a really strong framework of election laws that encourage citizen participation. Uh, we have same-day voter registration. We have no-excuse absentee voting up to 30 days prior to election day. Uh, we uh, make it really easy to register to vote, to cast your ballot, and know your ballot will be counted. And we're really proud of our national leadership in voter participation and citizen engagement 
in elections and in the democratic process. So obviously they've got a history of great election practices with their same day registration and their record high voter turnout. Let me tell you something, folks. And I think I've said this on air before. I know I've said this in conversation a number of times. We've heard from politicians on both sides of the aisle for decades that it's so important to get out the vote, increase voter turnout, register as many people as possible, get as much participation in the election process as possible. But if you look at the history of voter turnout in the United States of America, I believe the highest voter turnout was in 1860. And so my theory on this whole process is that the more people show up to vote, the higher the voter turnout is, the closer a nation, any nation, whether it's ours or any other nation, is to civil war. Because you've gotten both sides so angry, so invested, people who would otherwise be not interested in politics at all or care at all, which was like the millennial generation that I grew up in. Nobody cared in the 90s. So whatever, Bill, whatever, who cares? George, Bill, Al Gore, who cares? Voter turnout's low because either one is fine. But when things get really intense and people start to struggle and feel the pressure and they want to get involved in the political process, that means that you have a lot of contention and controversy and division in a nation. So she's talking about the highest voter turnout in her state. That indicates to me that you've got a population there that is very, very upset, very divided, very involved in the political process because they're feeling the pressures of the incompetence of our leadership. They've got strong opinions either for or against Trump. So you've got record voter turnout. You've got people who actually participate in the electoral process, but you're going to remove the leading candidate from the ballot. Despite the fact that all indications are that the higher the voter turnout is, the closer we are to actual violent conflict in this country. And I don't think that we're on necessarily the precipice of a violent civil war. I, I think they sneak up on you. I think they come as a, out of a sort of a conglomeration of conflicts and issues over time. It's sort of like bankruptcy. You know what they say about bankruptcy? They say that it comes very slow and then all at once. That's what civil war I think is like. It's going to come slow. Maybe it's coming slow now. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be in it. All of a sudden, it happens. It just pops. It's like an emergency or a crisis out of nowhere. It's spontaneous almost, even though it's been building up for a long time. It's like an overnight success. 20 years in the making, you hear entrepreneurs say, after they've made a killing. Stick with us, folks. We're going to cover more news on the other side. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. Last year, we put this book out. The Great Reset and the War for the World, it became a number one national bestseller. Now we've put part two out and it's even thicker and more powerful. The Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the second great renaissance. This is such a powerful book. It covers all the globalist plans, the latest developments, how to stop them, and then gives an alternate plan of the society we could build together. That's why it's The Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is happening right now. You can get signed or unsigned copies of the book at InfoWarsStore.com. This is a historic book. I want to thank you all for your support. This is next level information, and it's a great way to not just support the broadcast, but inform yourself of the next level and share the book with friends and family. So whether you want one copy or multiple copies, go now to InfoWarsStore.com and get The Great Awakening. This is going to go to number one. I want to thank you for your support. It's a powerful book. Get yours now. Thank you. 
Sleepless nights seem to be a lot more common these days with everything that's going on both at home and the world at large. If you are having trouble getting to that deep sleep we could all use more of, our new sleep support formula, Down and Out, is just the thing. It's our new, faster-absorbing liquid formula that is specifically designed to help you get the shut-eye you deserve. Formulated to improve upon our best-selling product, Knockout, with Down and Out, now the herbs and melatonin packed inside are extracted directly into the glycerin solution. So the ingredients are already dissolved into the formula before you even take it. One of the other sleep support herbs included is the passion flower, which was traditionally used by Native Americans like the Cherokees, who used it for its relaxing qualities. Be sure to take this product when you are completely ready for sleep, because you will be down and out. Selling out now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. So much to talk about. So we've been covering this deballoting of Trump in Maine. And this came just sort of moments after this breaking story here that Trump is back on the Colorado primary ballot. This is from Kellen McBreen yesterday here at Infowars.com. The Colorado Secretary of State has revealed Donald Trump will be on the state's 2024 GOP primary ballot despite the Colorado Supreme Court recently ruling that Trump was ineligible to serve as president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Colorado Republican Party filed an appeal to the state Supreme Court decision on Wednesday, and Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold responded the following day. She stated, The Colorado Republican Party has appealed the Colorado Supreme Court's decision in Anderson versus Griswold to the U.S. Supreme Court. With the appeal filed, Donald Trump will be included as a candidate on Colorado's 2024 presidential primary ballot when certification occurs on January 5th of 2024, unless the U.S. Supreme Court declines to take the case or otherwise affirms the Colorado Supreme Court ruling. So he's sort of back on. It's still possible that he would be off the ballot, but he's sort of back on. And then we hear this news from Maine that he's been sort of unilaterally removed by the Secretary of State, who's just sort of made the decision single-handedly because it was her duty to just determine the guilt or innocence of a man in terms of an insurrection. And it's not only that, but she just sort of took it upon herself to interpret the 14th Amendment, which is her interpretation is very questionable, to say the least. So what's going to happen is, this is these, are, these issues are going to go to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court, in my opinion, is going to put Trump back on the ballot because we've got a good Supreme Court right now. But the problem is, and I tweeted something about this, the problem is it should never have come to this. I think I said something to the effect of, it's almost as maddening that this issue has to be decided by the Supreme Court of the United States, whether or not Trump can be on a ballot in a state. As it was maddening that a rogue billionaire had to save free speech on the Internet. We shouldn't get to this point as a civilization. Where things like freedom of speech are saved by some rogue fluke hero just out of sort of some sort of divine miracle almost. It's almost like God came down and just inspired Elon Musk to do the right thing. 
it's a total fluke thing. I and mean, there, there wasn't really much of a financial incentive. I guess there was a legacy incentive and a personal principles incentive. And there was the data incentive for Grok, the artificial intelligence that he's developing. I and mean, there were incentives. But ultimately, this has been a major pain in the butt for Elon Musk to be involved with this, to deal with the ADL, to be called an anti-Semitic. I mean, his reputation has been really just run through the ringer. And this is someone who's largely dependent on federal contracts for all of his businesses, whether it's Tesla and the green energy initiatives. I know he was just denied subsidies, likely because of some of his Twitter behavior for Tesla. But his SpaceX contracts are major partners with the federal government. I mean, that business is totally dependent on contracts with the federal government. Not a whole lot of demand for private businesses sending up thousands upon thousands of satellites. I mean, the business wouldn't exist without... So he comes out and he purchases Twitter and insists that it be made into a free speech platform, despite the fact that basically his entire fortune is dependent on having some sort of a favorable relationship with the federal government, as it stands, as I understand it, as it stands between Tesla and the subsidies and the green energy initiatives that have catalyzed the electric vehicle and between SpaceX and all of the federal contracts and partnerships public-private partnerships that have enabled him to actually send rockets into space and fail and fail and then succeed and succeed time and time again. So it doesn't seem to me that he had any incentive to do this other than that he really just wanted to. And it's a miracle that he did. It's like I said, it's like God came down and touched his heart. Like you know, God came and hardened Pharaoh's heart, got him to chase after Moses and Exodus. Well, he could do the opposite. Maybe he did that with Elon. But it shouldn't come to that. Why is it that as a nation, we've come to a place where free speech was guaranteed 99.99999% certain to not exist on the internet for this election cycle? There was not going to be any Alex Jones, any Infowars on any of the major social media platforms. We were going to have to watch what we said about things like vaccines, about things like 2020 election integrity. We're going to have to watch what we said about virtually everything. And the political opposition, the left, was going to be able to make any claim they wanted and we wouldn't be in a position to defend ourselves because we'd be deplatformed or censored or silenced or fired or whatever. And that's an untenable position because there's not always going to be an Elon Musk. There's not always going to be a favorable Supreme Court to respond to these really obvious cases. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes there are very tricky cases. There are controversial issues. It is very hard to determine what's right, what's wrong. There are Supreme Court cases throughout history where the courts really had to look very closely at something and reasonable people could see either side. They could see either way that this could be argued. Both sort of made sense, but both had issues. We all know what it feels like to sort of not be able to make a decision because we're torn. But these cases are not those cases. I mean, it's very obvious that freedom of speech is a good thing and that these platforms and their policies were antagonistic toward freedom of speech, creating all sorts of problems, hiding the truth, censoring the truth, empowering the state to lie and deceive the people. It's very obvious. It's very obvious that Donald Trump should be on the ballot so that the people can actually choose whether or not they think January 6th was an insurrection. I mean, if enough people actually believed it was an insurrection, then it stands to reason that they would 
vote against them. And the state knows that not enough people actually believe that January 6th was an insurrection or that it was an insurrection incited by President Donald Trump to catalyze the outcome that they want in 2024. They know that most people disagree with them. And so in the name of democracy, they're just going to overrule the majority. It's like a paradigm. It's, it's, it's totally conflicting. It doesn't make any sense. They are this political elite that advocates democracy so much, yet when it comes to these issues, they believe that their judgment is 100% better, safer, more reasonable, more responsible than the judgment of the voters. And I'm not an advocate for democracy. I don't believe in straight-up democracy where every citizen can vote on every single issue. I think that causes all sorts of problems. You have mob rule. You have the majority violating the rights of minorities in those instances. It's happened time and time again throughout history. Democracies lead to tyranny. Straight democracies don't work. The mob will do cruel and unusual things to minorities and individuals if it's given that much power. So I believe that we should have representatives that vote on all the issues like we do in a republic. But the democratic process that we are supposed to have in this republic is the democratic process that allows voters to choose who gets to vote on all the legislation. But they're trying to take even that away from us. They want us to be rendered so powerless that we can't even choose who represents us among them. This is a total class divide between the political class and the American class. It is an attack on all freedom, an attack on America itself. Stick with us, folks. We'll get more into it on the other side. Finally, after close to a year, in early November, where I'm cutting this ad, we finally got one of our flagship products back in stock, Ultra 12, the highest quality vitamin B12 organic. You take it out of the tongue so you get better absorption of the body through your blood vessels and what it does to every system in your body is simply incredible. It's the natural, clean, energy, focus, immune system, everything. And it's 40% off exclusively at InfoWarsStore.com. This has been rated as the best B12 in the country. It's available from a top lab that we private label it through at InfoWarsStore.com. Ultra 12, vitamin B12, taken sublingually, now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Or you can call toll-free and order it as well, 888-253-3139. And Ultra 12 funds the InfoWar as well. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. Tune in to the American Journal, where Chase Geyser deciphers the heartbeat of a nation. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time to take Welcome a back train. to the American Journal, folks. I'm Chase go. Geyser, your host today. Today is Friday, December 29th. We will be rebroadcasting this episode on Monday, as that is New Year's Day. And we're going to be out of the office that day. And then, of course, on Tuesday, I will be back with you as well, guest hosting, until the great Harrison Smith returns on Wednesday morning. Spending some time at a wedding, I believe, this weekend. He's going to be in sunny California. So we've talked about how the left is trying to bring Trump off the ballot. 
They tried to do it in Colorado. They tried to do it in Maine. It's indicative of how hypocritical they are. It shows that there is a chance that he could win, that the elections aren't 100% rigged, and they're trying to rig them. And it shows just how corrupt and evil they are, that they don't believe in the democratic process at all. They don't want the voters to have a choice at all, because that would be too great a risk to their established power to allow the voters to have the ability or the opportunity to disrupt the political establishment that they've concocted at the expense of the American people over the last several decades. But we do see, for some reason, an abundant number of candidates running against Trump in the Republican primary, yet I can name virtually no one in the Democratic primary running against Biden. I know that there are candidates. I know RFK was technically a Democrat running against him, and now he's running as an independent, probably because he's a plant to pull votes away from Trump. The data shows that he's getting more contributions from prior or former Trump voters than he is from former Biden or Democratic supporters. So he is actually splitting the vote away from Trump as it stands. But why is it that so many Republicans are running against Donald Trump, yet so few Democrats are running against Joe Biden? I mean, it's like they've got the whole thing buttoned up. And I know that technically he's the incumbent, Joe Biden. He's in office now, but... Trump's an incumbent too, not in the sense that he's in the office now running for the same office, but he's been in the office before last term. So it's really sort of a unique situation that we have these two incumbents running against each other. But why is it that we have so many candidates running against Trump? And some of it, I think, is just political opportunity. We've got Vivek. He's basically refused to say anything negative about Donald Trump because I think he knows that he's not, Vivek isn't going to get the primary nod. And he wants to be involved in the administration. He wants to influence the policy of the Trump administration. If he can get enough support that his endorsement matters, then he can have an impact on some of the Trump administration's policy. It's just like what Bernie Sanders did against Hillary Clinton in the last cycle, the 2016 cycle, when they stole the election from him in the primary. He was able, because he had so much support, to actually leverage, coerce, manipulate, push, massage, whatever word you want to use, her general election policy, shift it, push it in the direction that he wanted. And so... It makes sense that Vivek's running, not saying anything negative. Maybe he wants a cabinet position. Maybe he wants to influence the policy. Maybe he just wants to set himself up for political success down the road. There's a number of incentives, reasons that make sense for Vivek to run. I think he's very smart, and I think he's an honest person. I like him a lot. But why is Chris Christie running? I mean, is it just a personal vendetta? I know that Trump and Christie didn't really get along. They don't really seem to like each other that much. If you look into some of the contention after the end of the last campaign— He just seems kind of bitter. Why is Nikki Haley running? I mean, she was part of the Trump administration. She was the ambassador, the UN ambassador. Why is she running? Because she wants to hook Boeing up with more missiles? Because she wants to go to war for the military industrial complex on which she was enriched, by which she was enriched? And she sat on the board of Boeing? But the crazy thing is here, you can see how phony she is. It's, and she's phony almost, she's almost like, I was watching her the other day, and she strikes me like the Republican version of Elizabeth Warren. You remember the famous Elizabeth Warren moment where she did that live stream with her husband, and she's, she's in her kitchen, and she's like, thank you for being here. Trump famously, she li- he lives there, right? That was the famous criticism. But you have this sort of just 
you can just tell that they're establishment and that they're really just not genuine about anything. You've got the Elizabeth Warren who lies about whether or not she's got the Native American heritage. It turns out she's one 1,024th Native American, which means that Barack Obama is literally 500 times more white than Elizabeth Warren is Native American. The math adds up. So you've got Elizabeth Warren lying about her ethnicity, and then you have Nikki Haley not even using her real name. So they're kind of the same that way. And they just come off as just very establishment. Elizabeth Warren, you remember all the times that she came out, she said that she was going to split up big tech because it was just too big. It was too powerful. She was going to divide up Google and Facebook. They just have too much power. And then you have Nikki Haley coming out saying that nobody should be able to be anonymous on social media accounts. There should be accountability. Everybody should have to put their real name, despite the fact that she doesn't even use her real name, despite the fact that she forced her husband to change his name. 15 years ago or whatever it was. They're the same. I mean, I guess one kind of talks more like a Republican than the other, but they're both sort of globalists, big government, more war, more spending, more control, more regulation. They're the same flipping candidate. Let's watch this clip of her. This is clip 11. Refusing to acknowledge that the Civil War was about slavery. And I know it's controversial. I know there are many differing views among the listeners. And I did the research. I'm a Yankee, so forgive me. I'm no fan of Abraham Lincoln, but I, I am a Yankee. I was born in Illinois, the land of Lincoln. I did the research, and I came to the conclusion that, yes, the Civil War was about states' rights, but the state right that was at issue was whether or not a state could have slavery. They're not necessarily mutually exclusive. And I know the vast majority of people in the South didn't actually own slaves. And I know that many people fought in the Civil War because they believed in other issues or they were critical of the Union for other reasons than slavery. But when you look at the documents, the articles of cause, when you look at what the actual state legislatures said when they seceded from the Union, they all made a document saying why they did. And all of those documents mention slavery, many of them in the first sentence, most of them in the first paragraph. I believe slavery is mentioned 84 times across several of those initial secession documents. So even the state legislatures of the southern states who seceded acknowledged that slavery was a major issue that was a catalyst for their secession. So to me, it's obvious that the Civil War was primarily about slavery, frankly. Doesn't make Confederates evil people. It doesn't mean that everybody who's descended from a Confederate or is from the South is some sort of racist rebel descended from evil men. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying, historically speaking, if it weren't for that issue, I don't think the Civil War would have happened, at least not when it happened. Okay? And so you have Nikki Haley, who doesn't have the courage to say that, because she is worried that it's going to alienate the audience. I mean, I know you guys are conservative people. I know there's a lot of Southerners and Civil War buffs and historians, and we could talk about this in the calls in the last hour today. I know a lot of the listeners hate it when I suggest that the Civil War was about slavery. I know that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. A lot of people passionately disagree. I'm happy to hear the other side of this, okay? But I am confident enough, or I don't want to use the word brave, I'm not scared to tell you what I actually think about it because I know we've got a relationship. I know there's a benefit of the doubt here. I'm just going to tell you what I think because I'm not a liar. I'm not a fake person. 
Why would I just act like it was about states' rights if I didn't actually believe that? But Nikki, on the other hand, I guess we're going to have to run it in the other segment because we're running out of time in this one. She doesn't have the courage to say it even though it's what she believes. And we can't have politicians that don't have the courage to speak the truth to the people. You can't just tell the people what they always want to hear because oftentimes the people want to hear some stupid stuff or they're wrong and what they want to hear is just the wrong move or you've just blatantly got to lie to them if you want to tell them what they want to hear. If it's not true, you got to lie to them. And so we have a politician that's going to go into office or running for office and she would be going into the White House scared of what the American people think about every single belief, principle, or issue that she has and she will lie or delay or just be a total phony like Elizabeth Warren in order to protect her own political clout. More on the other side, folks. January 2024 is here and that means up to 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com, free shipping and double Patriot points. This is one of the biggest deals of the year and it supports the InfoWar. And we're selling out a lot of these products and it'll be months and months till more are back in stock. Whether it's books, films, t-shirts, you name it, you need to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and take advantage of this 2024 New Year's sale, double Patriot points, free shipping, and so much more. Get a copy of my book, Signed or Unsigned, the Great Awakening, the plan to defeat the globalists and launch the next great renaissance. And again, thank you so much for your amazing support in 2023. But 2024, as everybody knows, is the big year. So please support us and get great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And tell everybody you know and those you don't know, tune into the live show at InfoWars.com forward slash show. God bless and we're going into 2024 together. The eugenicists, over 100 years ago, were very public about their plans. They financed major universities. They ran full-page stories and advertisements pushing their propaganda in the New York Times, other major newspapers, that the family as we know it is a bad thing and must be ended. And the first step in that is getting women out of the household and teaching women that cooking dinner and taking care of your sons and daughters and husbands is a bad thing. And I was just sitting here tonight making dinner for my daughter, my four and a half year old daughter. My wife makes dinner a lot of times, but I like to make it as well. I love to make breakfast. And literally, it's the funnest thing on earth to make food for your family and be nurturative and then all sit down together and have that communal event. And that's what the system is attacking and bombarding is our normal biological actions are coming together. They really are sick, evil, scientific cult of filth that want to domesticate us and turn us into lab rats. We cannot let this continue. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I'm Chase Geyser, your host this morning. Let's go ahead and run that clip, clip 11 of Nikki Haley basically refusing to acknowledge what she obviously believes that the civil war was primarily about slavery. I don't know it was a gotcha question, but let's see how she responds and sort of reinforce the points that I made at the end of the last segment. What was the cause of the United States civil war? (laughs) 
Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I'm not running for president. I, 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 I want to listen to your That's a good thing. on the cause of the Civil War. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. And we, I will always stand by the fact that I think government was intended to secure the rights and freedoms of the people. It was never meant to be all things to all people. Government doesn't need to tell you how to live your life. They don't need to tell you what you can and can't do. They don't need to be a part of your life. They need to make sure that you have freedom. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all things so that individuals have the liberties so that they can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want to be without government getting in the way. Thank you. And in, in the year 2023, it's astonishing to me that you answer that question without mentioning the word slavery. <laughs> what do you want me to say about slavery? No, um, uh, you answered my question. Thank you. Yeah. Next I, question. I, I don't know. how. Why, why would you dodge that question? If Abraham Lincoln could get elected in 1860, despite the fact that he wasn't on the ballot in 10 southern states then you would think that Nikki Haley could get elected in 2023 with an outspoken critique of slavery, right? It's just such cowardice. She's either a coward or she's just plain stupid. Let's see what Chris Christie had to say about this in clip number four here. See, because if she is unwilling to stand up and say that slavery is what caused the Civil War, because she's afraid of offending constituents in some other part of the country. If she's afraid to say that Donald Trump is unfit because she's afraid of offending people who support Donald Trump, and because maybe she harbors in the back of her mind being vice president or being secretary of state, and since she won't deny it, we have to believe that she's willing to do it. If she's unwilling to stand up to that, what's going to happen when she's got to stand up to Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries in Congress? What's going to happen when she has to stand up to Vladimir Putin and President Xi in China? What's going to happen when she has to stand up against forces in our own party who want to drag this country deeper and deeper into anger and division and exhaustion. All right. So I'm no fan of Chris Christie. I think he's very obviously got some problems, some big problems, some sizable problems. And I think that he's obnoxious. and I think he's self-righteous. I don't think that he's very popular. I think it's stupid that he's running. I think he's hypercritical of Trump for no reason. I don't think he really accomplished much as a governor. The only cool thing he ever did was he beat down Marco Rubio in a primary debate, I think, in 2016. That was a pretty cool debate moment. But debate moments aren't all it takes. I don't like him. I, I don't know why I would vote for him or support him. And I don't like what he said about Trump there. I don't agree with it. But he's right. He's right about Nikki Haley. How is she supposed to stand up in even more difficult political situations where there's more 
difficult conflicts of interest. There's more difficult special interests in place that conflict with one another. If she can't even stand up and say, hey, was slavery was a major part of it. It was about slavery. And, I, and like I said, I, I want you guys to call in if you feel differently. But the reason I believe what I believe is not because I'm a Yankee and I grew up in the land of Lincoln and my school taught me that. And it's not because I believe that Confederates are racists. It's because I looked it up this week and the states themselves said when they seceded from the Union that it was about slavery. It was very obviously about slavery. I posted a tweet about it. I, I shared the links and the articles and the screenshots of the declarations of cause and intent and why. And I'm not saying that Abraham Lincoln was a good guy. I know that Abraham Lincoln was explicitly racist. I listened to, I didn't listen to, I read his speeches before he was elected in 1860. I read the debates that he had with Douglas. I know that he explicitly said that he didn't believe that black people and white people should be able to intermarry. I know that he explicitly said that it's a natural order of a society that there be a superior and an inferior class, that there be a dominant and a submissive class. That one group must answer to the other. I know that he was a racist dude. I know that he threw out the Constitution and even explicitly advocated for throwing out the Constitution in order to save the Union. I know that he didn't actually care about black people and it was just sort of an excuse that he used. I know that he wanted the Union to exist as a Union for reasons other than simple emancipation. It wasn't out of the kindness of his heart or his love and affection as some sort of Jesus messianic figure that he fought the Civil War. He fought the Civil War for the power of the Union. So I'm not some guy that thinks that Abraham Lincoln's some hero. And it bothers me when Republicans are like, you know who the first Republican was? It was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, great. The guy that wouldn't let the states secede. Obviously, I don't agree with slavery. I don't agree with the reason that the states wanted to secede. But I do believe that states ought to be able to secede. After all, our country itself is a secession from... The English Empire, the British Empire, right? So if our country's founded on secession and we're making it illegal for states within our country to secede, then isn't that hypocritical? Basically, the only way that a secession could actually legally happen in this country would be a civil war. But it didn't have to be that way. And like I said, I'm not an advocate for slavery by any means. I hate that the South chose to secede over that issue which has forever tainted the notion or the concept or the argument for secession. Now when you utter the word secession, the first thing 9 out of 10 people think about in the United States of America who know anything about what happened in the Civil War, the first thing they think about is slavery. So if you advocate for secession, then in their mind, you're on the Confederate side. In their mind, you believe in slavery. In their mind, you're a racist, you're a bigot. When there are so many other reasons to secede, maybe the fact that one out of every four days that you work, the money that you make goes straight to the federal government. And then another 25% of the money you make goes to property taxes and healthcare costs. And another 25% of the money you make goes to sales tax and social security tax. And by the time it's all said and done, like 70% of your work just goes straight to the government. Basically, you're a slave now. Honestly, the reason that we should be seceding from the union now is to fight against slavery. When the first secession was to protect the institution of slavery, then now the justification is just the opposite. If we want to be free, liberated from this political class, which has subjugated us and sold out all of our interests to international groups, 
the international political elites like the Schwabs of the world, the WEFs, the NATOs, the UNs, the Zelenskys. Honestly, the next civil war, if there's actually a secession that catalyzes it, is going to be a secession for freedom from slavery, not a secession to protect slavery. That's the fact of the matter. The next civil war will actually be about slavery, regardless of what you think about the first one. The next one is going to be about slavery. We'll get more into the news in the next segment. In the meantime, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Game-changing New Year's specials from InfoWars are here. Get up to 60% off plus free shipping and double Patriot points. The new year is upon us. It's time to reevaluate your approach to your supplement routine with these InfoWars essentials. Our powerhouse formulas are up to 60% off, and the savings don't stop there. We're giving you free shipping store-wide and double Patriot points on all purchases, folks. Shop now to get massive savings on all these incredible products. 40% off Winter Sun Plus, 25% off TurboForce Plus, my personal favorite, 25% 25% off Survival Shield X2, 40% off Vasobeat Complete, 40% off Bodies, 40% off DNA Force Plus, 40% off Ultra 12, another one of my favorites, 50% off Real Red Pill Plus, 50% off Down and Out Sleep Support, 60% off Brain Force Plus and Brain Force Ultra, my third favorite, plus even more. Take advantage of the huge sale today and get the InfoWars Life New Year's special to save up to 60% off. You can start your year with a bang today at InfoWarsStore.com. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason that we are still on the air. We need your support now more than ever. Freedom of speech is more important now than ever in this 2024 election cycle, which is going to determine the fate of our nation itself. Stick with us, folks. More on the other side. Naturally sourced from the finest hemp plants in America. Rebel Zen offers the absolute finest quality CBD available and at the lowest prices. Extracted using a cold-pressed technique to retain the molecular integrity of the cannabinoids and terpenes within the plant, this full-spectrum formula ensures that your nervous system gets the full benefits of CBD. Premium quality organic CBD like Rebel Zen has been shown to naturally reduce anxiety relieve pain and decrease inflammation people have reported a reduction in symptoms of insomnia arthritis seizures chronic pain and epilepsy several studies have shown it helps to reduce cortisol increase serotonin and boost vitality order yours today at infowarstore.com the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith. Talked a little bit about RFK last segment when I was making the point that there just don't seem to be enough candidates running against Biden, given how terrible he is and how low his approval rating is. I, I guess it's because Democrats feel that it would be political suicide to betray the party like that. And I'm really, really on the edge thinking that RFK is a plant. I really think he's just running as an independent to split the vote. But let's hear what he had to say. This was a very interesting video. I oftentimes agree with what he says and like what he says. That's the problem. Because I 
I know that others that are like-minded then agree with what he says and like what he says, and that's likely going to split the vote against Trump, and then if that vote's split, that means the Democrats going to get ushered in, right? Let's see what he says here in clip number eight. Over 100 years ago during World War I, the Ottoman Empire perpetrated the first genocide of the modern era when it murdered a million and a half ethnic Armenians. That ethnic cleansing wiped out thousands of years of Armenian presence in Anatolia. Today, the oldest of all Armenian territories is now the victim of an ethnic cleansing campaign. This time it's Arsakh also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. During the Soviet era, the Kremlin forcibly incorporated this Christian territory into Muslim Azerbaijan. Arsak had been Orthodox Christian and Armenian for over a thousand years. It has one of the oldest, most beautiful cathedrals in the world. Beginning in 2020, Azerbaijan ruthlessly launched an ethnic cleansing campaign against this peaceful and peace-loving people. It systematically bombarded population centers with cluster bombs and missiles. And in September, Azerbaijan launched an unprovoked invasion and expelled all 120,000 ethnic Armenians. While the world was focused on Gaza and Israel with indignation and outrage from every direction, we heard almost nothing about this mass expulsion of the entire population of one of the oldest Armenian states on the planet. Empty condemnations of this ethnic cleansing campaign are not enough. Unlike the 1915 genocide, this one is reversible. The U.S. government needs to organize and mobilize the global community to take action to ensure so the safe return of Armenians to We need to get involved in another conflict. Now, he makes a great point here. The point that is sort of implicit is that what we're supporting Israel, we're supporting Ukraine, but we're totally ignoring this Armenian genocide. And we've totally ignored the fact that over 50,000 Christians in Nigeria have been massacred since 2009 by a radical Islamist group, sect, that's been active in the region. So implicitly the point is, obviously, when our government or the state comes out and says that it's getting involved in a conflict for humanitarian purposes, obviously that's not true. Because why do we ignore all these other crises? Some of them much greater. Some of them much more obviously based on the destruction of people for their religious beliefs or immutable characteristics. He shows implicitly in that video that the real reason our government gets involved in these conflicts has nothing to do with any sort of principle, philosophy, or ideal, or humanitarian empathy. That is just the excuse that we use to get involved. And instead of saying, therefore, we shouldn't be getting involved in any of these conflicts and we should focus all of our attention on domestic issues to help our own people, who it is our duty primarily to represent as a priority, he says that we should get involved in this Armenian conflict and we should leverage and mobilize the international global community. It's a globalist. The, the way that you mobilize the international community is you threaten them implicitly with sanctions or you bully them or you leverage aid to them in exchange for their help here. That's globalism. That is the selling out of the interests of the American people for the sake of some internationalist agenda. He's not a good dude. He's not some here. He's right about the Armenians. Terrible stuff. He's right about our own government's hypocrisy, but he is a globalist. 
American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith. This episode will be rebroadcast on Monday, as that is New Year's Day, and we will not be in the studio. I will be back as your guest host again on Tuesday, because Harrison is out of town for the holiday weekend at a wedding. But he'll be back on Wednesday, which we're all excited for, because I love to watch the American Journal when Harrison hosts. I don't even know what to talk about next. I mean, we've covered the Colorado ballot. He's back on. We covered the main stuff. We covered the hypocrisy. We covered the duplicitousness, duplicity of all the candidates that are running against Trump on the Republican side. Some of the questionable details about RFK and the fact that he's fairly clearly a globalist. And really all these news stories, they... They tell the same story. It's it's the reason Alex Jones has been right about so much over the last 30 years, because the overall narrative is true that the establishment political class is conglomerating and it is working together on an international level to ensure the sustainability and expansion of its own power. And in order to do that, it has to sell out the interests of the people of the various nations, our nation, other nations. And it has to slowly erode the rights and freedoms of the constituents. So when they realize that they have no freedom left, it's too late and they can't do anything about it. That's the overarching theme. And they tried it a number of different ways. They try it with sanctions and currency manipulation. They're trying it now with these digital currencies and these digital IDs that they want to implement. They try it by getting us involved in conflict after conflict, even allowing terrorist attacks to happen in order to justify or catalyze these wars. They do it by ensuring that we are saddled with debt, that we depend on the government to bail us out or save the day. They do it by lying about pandemics that they actually manufactured and then lying about the efficacy and safety of the drugs to treat those manufactured pandemics. And then forcing everybody to take them so they're inoculated. I mean, just use your imagination for a second. You don't even have to use your imagination. Just wake up, open your eyes, and look around, and you'll see all of the different ways that any government, specifically our government, has been working for decades to ensure that you have no freedom and it has total power. And this globalization is a mechanism by which these members of this political class secure power for themselves indefinitely. It's like if everybody, every team in the NBA got together and just decided we are not going to draft new players any season. We're going to work together. We're going to fix the prices. We're going to make sure that every team has the same players forever. We're just going to decide together that we don't want any new variables in here because we want to make sure that we can be on the team forever. We don't want to age out. We don't want to retire out. So we're going to create a union and just say that none of us are going to work if any of us gets fired. Imagine if the NBA players just unionized against the NBA and said, hey, if you fire so-and-so, then none of us are playing. They could do that and leverage themselves into perpetual careers. Feasibly. I'm sure it's never going to happen, but feasibly they could do that. That's what our political class has done. Our political class has come together and they have fixed the price of power. They have agreed 
that they will work together to ensure that they stay in power, that they will exchange their various constituents' tax dollars among each other so they can launder the kickback through the non-government organizations or the contractors back into their own pockets because they'll be invested in those businesses that these tax dollars are spent on. And it's just one big money laundering Ponzi scheme. And they don't even have to raise taxes in order to make the scheme scale because all they have to do is print money. Keep in mind, inflation is a tax. It is the taxation of buying power where the government prints the money and it gets a greater proportion of all buying power without having to take a single dollar out of your account. It is a way that they can tax you without actually passing a tax increase. So they don't even have to raise taxes in order to tax you or to make your money worthless, to steal from you, actually, just steal from you. They can just print the money, then they've got it, then they run it through their contractors, they get the kickback, done deal. And they do this thinking that it's some sort of benefit to society, that they're actually the noble heroes, that the projects that they're having implemented are for the benefit of society and actually helping us. And they're so good. And this green energy is going to save the planet and the climate and humanity and all these, these foreign aid groups and nonprofits that we set up are really helping the vulnerable. And that's how they justify it in their heads. Everybody justifies the terrible, evil stuff that they do in their own mind because nobody wants to think of themselves as the villain in their own story. Everyone's the hero in their own story. Even the most evil people thought they were good. Even the evil people today think they're good. The Klaus Schwabs think they're great. Nancy Pelosi thinks she's great. Hillary Clinton thinks she's the best. Yeah, yeah, I killed those people. I, I just had to because we couldn't let a Republican be in office. We couldn't let any of the dirt come out about my family. That would really undermine the Clinton Foundation. And this entire system that we've set up that's going to save the planet and globalize all government. They, they justify it in their own mind. They think that they're actually good people. But the real incentive, the true reason that they're doing this is not out of any sort of compassion. These are people that indiscriminately call for beheadings and hangings and bombings of various nations. You think Hillary Clinton cares about the climate when she's going after Gaddafi? Or just indiscriminately supporting the bombing or lying about what happens in our various embassies when they get attacked? This is not a good person. The real incentive that this political class does everything that it does, supports all the programs that it supports, is not because the programs are actually what we need or because it's the right thing to do or because they care. It's because they get kickback on all of these deals. And they scratch each other's back in a favorable sort of reward type environment. And then on the other hand, there's the blackmail environment where you have the Epsteins that go around and get all the most powerful people onto the plane over the course of 20 or 30 years, many of whom got on the plane and went to the island after his first round of convictions. And then they videotape them. They record him with his however many passports he had. The guy was Mossad. He had blackmailed dirt on all the leaders, all of the most powerful people in the world. So there's the reward aspect where, hey, you're going to make a ton of money if you work with us. And by the way, if you don't work with us, we're actually going to make life really miserable for you. You're going to be totally imprisoned, disreputable, ruined. You can't do it without us. Come and join the team. We're going to give you everything you ever wanted. Like they come at it from both sides, reward and punishment. They don't have to choose. It's not like Pavlov. You don't choose between reward and punishment. You just give both. You say, listen, if you follow us, it's going to be awesome for you. If you don't, it's going to be hell for you. 
That's what they do. And so we have a more and more corrupt class. We have an increasingly corrupt government, and they do things like push vaccines on us and push diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is now impacting who's going to be a surgeon in this country. Surgeon says toxic DEI in medicine has led to erosion of quality care dangerous to our patients. So if you hire somebody just because of the race, not because they're competent, maybe that's okay at a grocery store. But when you're talking about a surgeon, that seems very problematic to me because that's somebody that's got somebody else's life in their hands every day, right? And the problem with this is it's in the name of mitigating racism or compensating for racism. But what it's going to do is it's going to catalyze more racism than ever existed before because now whenever anybody goes to a surgeon, if they see a surgeon of color, in the back of their mind, they're going to be thinking, is that surgeon only here because of his race? Whereas that was not something that any of us thought about in 2002 or in 1992, back when we were much closer to institutionalized racism in this country in terms of chronologically, much closer to 1964, 1963, and 1992 than today. But now I got to go in and wonder whether or not that person's a pilot because they're actually good at flying a plane or because of the race. Or I got to wonder whether or not that person's going to be a safe surgeon for me or my child or my wife. Because they're a person of color. That's not a thought that would have occurred to me before the DEI. Now the DEI makes me have prejudiced racist thoughts. It does. The policy is making people racist because it's a matter of life and death. When you're talking about a surgeon. Stick with us, folks. We're going to get into more news on the other side. Visit InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. So much to talk about and calls in the final hour coming up in 45 minutes. I'm not on Team NFL. I'm not on Team NBA. I'm not on Team Olympics. I'm not on Team Globalist or Wokeism in the New World Order. I'm on Team Humanity, ladies and gentlemen, that loves God and loves our families and loves humanity and knows that we're destined to do even more incredible things than we've already done together. And so, inspired by my conversation with Elon Musk recently, where he agreed with my idea to call it Team Humanity, we've launched two limited edition t-shirts at InfoWarsStore.com. Let people know that, hey, it isn't about the football games or it isn't even about the UFC. It's about Team Humanity being under globalist attack. You can wear it. It's a great conversation starter. And you know it's supporting the InfoWar that is at the very tip of the spear in the fight for Team Humanity. Get your limited edition Team Humanity t-shirts right now at InfoWarsStore.com. And I thank you. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalist at point-blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had this success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the New World Order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. 
Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host. This morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith. More news throughout this hour than your calls in the third hour. Regarding our politicians selling us out, we know that the border is an example of this. Not only does it allow terrorists to come in in order to catalyze the next sort of major U.S. involvement in the Middle East, but it consumes a tremendous amount of money. And we know that the more the government spends, the more our politicians make because they're invested in all the organizations that the government spends money on or hires to do these things. The DOJ threatens to sue Texas if it enforces its new border security law. Governor Abbott responded to the DOJ's threats on Thursday afternoon, stating Biden is destroying America. Texas is trying to save it. The Biden admin not only refuses to enforce current U.S. immigration laws, they now want to stop Texas from enforcing laws against illegal immigration. I've never seen such hostility to the rule of law in America. Biden is destroying America. Texas is trying to save it, according to Greg Abbott. Joe Biden's Department of Justice has threatened to sue Texas Governor Greg Abbott if he enforces a recently passed law allowing state and local law enforcement officials to arrest illegal immigrants. So not only are they failing, the federal government, to protect the border, but then when other states, organizations, or institutions create policies to do it for them, they don't allow it to happen. So that goes to show that this crisis at the border is not something that's happening because the federal government lacks resources, or the problem is so complicated that they haven't figured out how to solve it yet. It's not because there's not enough border patrol agents. It's not any sort of actual complication on a pragmatic scale, on a rational sort of reasonable, just problem-solving level that's getting in the way of the federal government solving the border problem. Since... Texas came out and said, look, we have a way that we're going to solve it or address it or mitigate it. And the federal government saying, no, we're going to sue you if you do that. That proves that our federal government is allowing this to happen, wants this to happen. They're not failing to prevent it. They are acting to support it. They are taxing us, then using that money to fund the invasion of our own country. Is that not treason? And I don't care about whether you're an immigrant or not. If you came over here legitimately, legally, whatever, that's great. I'm descended from immigrants. Everybody here is. That doesn't bother me one bit. It's not a racist, xenophobic thing, whatever. The problem is when you have 12,000 people coming into the country every single day, many of them from terrorist organizations, in the context of major international violent conflict on multiple fronts between superpowers— Maybe that's a good time to, I don't know, close the door until things settle down outside. And it's not a matter of them failing to uphold their duty as a government to protect our border and our rights and our national sovereignty. It's that they're actually stealing money from us, the citizens, and funding the invasion of our own country. Because they're getting the kickback on all the services and support and the lawyers that we pay for for them and the phones that we give them and the clothes that we give them. And the resources we give them and the hotels and the condos, whatever, they're all super invested in this. And we've even got Democrats at the local level that are like, what is going on? The federal government is like absolutely crazy. Let's watch clip 10 here of the Chicago mayor saying that collapse is imminent in the city of Chicago due to the migrant crisis. Let's go ahead and run clip 10. 
in Chicago or anywhere else in the country, um, the public good is already stressed. Um, whether it's our transportation system, our healthcare system, our education system, you know, all of these systems are already stretched um, to meet the, the, the demands of families who um, have been here. Um, you know, over the past seven months, it's been uh, an incredible, an incredible strain on every aspect of of city services. And we're going to run clip six here in a second because I want you to see that this is not just an example of a politician complaining or outsourcing his failures or problems, blaming somebody else for what's going on. Obviously, Chicago's got problems, and there's plenty of reasons that a mayor of Chicago would want to blame somebody else for all the problems that they're having. But wouldn't a Democratic mayor then want to blame the Republicans for the issues that are going on? Or the rural communities or the red counties of the state for not passing legislation to help deal with the issues? Why would a Democratic mayor of Chicago, this is the Chicago Democratic machine, it has catalyzed all sorts of corruption throughout our history and supported all sorts of politicians, namely Barack Obama. This is a machine that is very loyal to the Democratic Party. It is basically symbiotic to the Democratic Party, and yet it is crying out for help, saying that this migrant crisis is ridiculous. This is totally embarrassing to our federal president of the United States. But it's so bad that even Chicago has to step back and say, whoa, this is screwed up. Let's look at what's going on at Eagle Pass in Texas. This is clip six. Check this out. Another thing is these crowds here in Eagle Pass have never been this large during my reporting. This is the most people I've ever seen in Eagle Pass and other reporters, colleagues working other parts of the border in Arizona, in Hakumba, near San Diego. Tell me the same thing. We have these conversations and the conversation is always, well, I've never seen this number of migrants arriving. And we know from the reports coming from the government with these numbers. So we have the number of apprehensions, the numbers of encounters, everything spiking. So we we don't know what this will mean moving forward. We just know that the numbers are much larger as the resources are spread. Th- there you go. We're being invaded. It's being funded by the federal government. And if anybody tries to do anything about it, the federal government says that it's going to sue you. Meanwhile, if you try to vote for a candidate that would reverse these policies, the government's going to imprison you for protesting on behalf of that candidate. Or call you a right-wing extremist or call you a MAGA Republican terrorist or a domestic terrorist. And simultaneously, they're going to do everything they can to imprison the candidate that you support. And if they can't imprison the candidate that you support, then they're going to do everything they can to ensure that that candidate isn't legally allowed on enough ballots to actually win or be the candidate. If you want to stop this. If you want to stop the invasion of our country by strangers... The federal government is going to do everything it can to shut you down. Simple as that. They're they're going to go so far as to imprison you. And they're not even going to let you support a candidate that agrees with you. This is all in the name of democracy. All in the name of helping the less fortunate, of helping these refugees, these people that are suffering some sort of crisis. We're going to just let them flood into our country. We're going to give them all of our resources, despite the fact that bankruptcies are up 20% year over year. Everybody's suffering and struggling. Those who would traditionally have purchased a home by now 
haven't, demographically speaking, all the stats. You follow unusual whales for one day, you will see the decline of our nation's economy, our strength. And it's not because our government is failing us. It's because our government is betraying us. It's not because our government is incompetent. Because our government knows exactly what it's doing. It's just not working for you. Stick with us, folks. More on the other side. January 2024 is here, and that means up to 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com, free shipping, and double Patriot points. This is one of the biggest deals of the year, and it supports the InfoWar. And we're selling out a lot of these products, and it'll be months and months till more are back in stock. Whether it's books, films, t-shirts, you name it, you need to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and take advantage of this 2024 New Year sale, double Patriot points, free shipping, and so much more. Get a copy of my book, Signed or Unsigned, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists, and Launch the Next Great Renaissance. And again, thank you so much for your amazing support in 2023. But 2024, as everybody knows, is the big year. So please support us and get great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And tell everybody you know and those you don't know, tune into the live show at InfoWars.com forward slash show. God bless, and we're going into 2024 together. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. we got more news to cover over the next 30 minutes, and we'll be taking calls in the last hour. I'm just going to hammer out some of these stories really quickly. Biden announces $250 million in military aid to Ukraine. Final package of 2023, but not the final package of the war, I'm sure. Despite the fact that they're losing, I saw clips last night. Apparently, Kiev is just getting hit with bomb after bomb, missile after missile. They're saying it's because the Ukrainian defense forces are intercepting Russian missiles, and then that's falling onto the capital. But if Ukraine's winning the war, or if there's a chance that Ukraine could win the war, I would like to look at some just very simple key points of data. All I want to know is how many rockets, bombs, or missiles have been fired at or hit or impacted Kiev, and how many on the other side have hit Moscow. Two capitals, two nations at war with one another, right next to each other. How much has Moscow been hit in this war? And I know that just because your capital's getting hit doesn't mean that you're going to lose the war. We know that London was being bombed incessantly during World War II, and the Germans ended up losing the war. So maybe World War III is the only way that something like this could turn around, given that World War II had to happen in order to reverse that. But we're funding this for God knows why, rather than kickback and cover-ups. Despite the fact that the outcome is going to be the same, an outcome which we could have gotten for free. 
Zelensky losing. That, all in the context of Russia and Iran officially ditching the U.S. dollar for trade. I've been talking about this for a long time. All these conflicts over there between Israel and Ukraine and China and Iran, they're all about trade and the petrodollar and the war for economic dominance in the 21st century. And Iran being, I believe, the second largest exporter of oil in the Middle East outside of Saudi Arabia and frequently the victim of U.S. sanctions on money that's actually their money that we withhold from them that they can't use. Russia, obviously, also a victim of U.S. sanctions. This is, all these incentives have been set up by us. We have incentivized Russia and Iran to work out new trade deals, come together and ditch the dollar, which weakens our currency and sets us up for economic collapse, collapse down the road if this sort of behavior, these sorts of deals continue to happen in snowball. Russia and Iran have finalized an agreement to trade in their local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar, Iran's state media has reported. Both countries are subject to U.S. sanctions. Banks and economic actors can now use infrastructure, including non-SWIFT interbank systems, to deal in local currencies, Iran's state media has declared. U.S. shale growth could exceed forecasts in 2024. Moscow has lately been cozying up to Tehran, with Iran revealing in November it will provide Russia with Su-35 fighter jets, Mi-28 attack helicopters, and Yak-130 pilot training aircraft. So not only are they doing business outside of our currency because we've abused our power as the global reserve currency, but they're also (laughs) exchanging weapons of war. Heavily censored Pfizer documents show COVID began five-year mass depopulation agenda that will reach completion by 2025. Starting prediction, startling prediction about what will soon come upon the world in the form of genocide is backed by the infamous Pfizer documents, which outline the five-year plan starting in 2020 to massively depopulate the world by the year 2025. Let's watch clip seven. This is from 2022. We probably showed it last year because it's too amazing not to show. Comedian Heather McDonald fainting on stage after bragging about being vaccinated. Let's just see what Pfizer has in store with this. Let's see if there's actually a real-life example of what depopulation looks like. What are the early symptoms stages that we, sh- we could expect? Go ahead and run the clip, please. I don't mean to brag. I don't care. But I want you to know, double-vaxxed, booster, flu shot, and I'm going to be honest, I have the shingle shot, too. And I still get my period. What? Yes! Traveled, went to Mexico twice, did shows, meet and greets, never got COVID. Clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. So nice. So nice. Boom. Collapse. Total collapse. Apparently, she fractured her skull. She's laying there, obviously, on the brink of unconsciousness. Her left arm just sort of moving around aimlessly. Somebody comes on the stage to help her out. This is someone who was bragging about all of the pharmaceutical products that they've been injecting into their body on stage at the improv. I wonder if that was the improv in Orange County, California. It kind of looks like it. And then collapsing. And yeah, it could be a coincidence. Maybe, it was, maybe she just didn't drink enough water that day or had low blood sugar. And maybe the, the lights on the stage were overheating her. That's why she really collapsed. But I tell you what, I have actually 
fainted before on stage when I was in a play a long time ago. And what happens is you begin to realize that you're slipping into unconsciousness, typically. At least this was my experience. I knew that I was going to faint probably 45 seconds before it happened. I don't know what happened. I was just standing on stage. Maybe my legs were locked. I don't know why to this day it happened. I've never fainted before, never fainted since. I was just sort of B-roll. I was an extra on the scene. I was standing there, and I started to realize, I think I'm going to pass out. It's like the morning. I mean, no drugs or anything like that. So I walked off stage. I sat down, and I told somebody, hey, I think I'm going to pass out. Next thing I know, I open my eyes, and I'm laying on my back with a group of people looking down at me. Like, hey, are you okay? They, I slid out of the chair that I was sitting in. They gently rested me down. The point is to just collapse like that. Boom. I mean, it's like, it's like she broke her back or something. I mean, she instantly lost all motor function. This wasn't some like heat stroke thing. The lights were really hot. I was really thirsty. I was dehydrated. Blood sugar situation. This is not something that came on gradually that she saw coming. All of a sudden, instant, just boom. And I don't know what happened. I didn't look into it. I just think the video is incredible. I don't know if she had a heart attack. I don't know if she's got myocarditis or whatever. But the fact that she's pumping herself full of these pharmaceuticals and she's still having that outcome just goes to show how competent our pharmaceutical industry is. They're just great, aren't they? Just amazing. I wonder why it is that they're so successful. Oh, yeah, they're publicly traded, and all of our politicians can invest in them. They get kicked back, and you see all the money that comes from them into the political sphere. And you see that, what is it, like 70%, if not more, of all advertisement on major media networks? is big pharmaceutical companies. So none of the news outlets want to actually report any of the truth about what's going on with these pharmaceutical companies because it's their customers. It's a conflict of interest. It's their clients. Whether it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, what have you, big pharma's paying them out the wazoo, basically keeping the lights on. And so they won't report anything false about them. It's the same reason that you only hear negative stories about Tesla and these electronic vehicles and the self-driving cars, you hear disaster story after disaster story about any time something bad happens with Tesla. And it's because the major car manufacturers, the major American vehicle competitors to Tesla, all advertise on these news platforms. Tesla doesn't advertise there. And so what are they going to do? Just say how great Teslas are while they're customers, they're Tesla's competitor? You got to be able to open your eyes and see these conflicts of interest. You got to understand these incentives. People behave based off of emotion and then they rationalize later. That's a common marketing just mantra. People buy emotionally, they rationalize later. That's why you don't sell somebody something by telling them what all the features are or all the specs are. You don't sell somebody something by telling them all the boring details of the product. You sell them on the emotion of it. And they're going to act rationalize it later. That's what our politicians do. They respond emotionally because of their greed and evilness, and then they rationalize it later to convince themselves that they're good and we're the evil. That's true, folks. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. 
And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. So the chemicals that we ingest and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. January 2024 is here, and that means up to 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com, free shipping and double Patriot points. This is one of the biggest deals of the year, and it supports the InfoWar. And we're selling out a lot of these products. It'll be months and months till more are back in stock. Whether it's books, films, t-shirts, you name it, you need to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and take advantage of this 2024 New Year sale, double Patriot points, free shipping, and so much more. Get a copy of my book, Signed or Unsigned, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists, and Launch the Next Great Renaissance. And again, thank you so much for your amazing support in 2023. But 2024, as everybody knows, is the big year. So please support us and get great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And tell everybody you know and those you don't know, tune into the live show at InfoWars.com forward slash show. God bless, and we're going into 2024 together. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. We are going to be taking calls in the third hour coming up after this segment. So make sure you call in 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. The sooner you call, the more likely I am to get to you before the end of the show this morning. I'll cover a couple of Trump things real quick in this segment. Trump should be barred from blaming others for January 6th riot at trial, special counsel says. Donald Trump shouldn't be allowed to make irrelevant claims targeting President Joe Biden or say others are to blame for the January 6th Capitol riot during his federal election interference trial, special counsel Jack Smith wrote in a court filing on Wednesday. Now listen to this. He says, although the court can recognize these efforts for what they are and disregard them, the jury, if subjected to them, may not. So he's saying the jury might not be able to disregard the claims that Trump would make that... He's innocent, that this was someone else's fault. Continues, the court should not permit the defendant to turn the courtroom into a forum in which he propagates irrelevant disinformation and should reject his attempt to inject politics into the proceeding. As if this proceeding isn't inherently political. But what's interesting to me about this paragraph is he's talking about how the judge is going to understand that these are irrelevant, disregard them. But the jury, if, if the jury hears what Trump has to say, they might not be able to disregard it. They might actually take it to heart and believe it and side with him. Almost like, hey, if Trump's on the ballot, the voters might actually vote for him. So we got to get him off the ballot to ensure that he doesn't get elected. We have to make sure that Trump can't say certain things to defend himself in this case. Otherwise, the jury might find him innocent. It's the same stuff. 
So they're trying to censor him, and which, which is why I think it's beautiful that Don Jr. came out the other day and said that Alex Jones should be the press secretary because obviously Alex Jones is perhaps the most censored man on the internet, De- definitely in the top 10 most censored people of all time that I've ever seen or heard of. Don Jr. floats Alex Jones for Trump press secretary. Former first son Donald Trump Jr. entertained the notion of InfoWars radio host Alex Jones assuming the role of former President Donald Trump's press secretary in his second term. Let's run this clip. This is clip number nine and see what Don Jr. had to say about potentially having Alex Jones as press secretary at least for a couple of weeks. That would be great. Alex Jones. That'd be a, just again. There, there's a couple people I want to put in as press secretary for like a month, two weeks to a month. Uh, you know, that, that'd be where, you know, uh, Laura Loomer would fit in for that one. Again, a- Alex Jones for a month just to put these idiots in their place. Because I'll say this. Guess what? Over the, you know, I'm not saying he's got everything right. And this one will be controversial. And, you know, the, you know, the nonsense, like, you know, the clickbait, like fake news rags you know, raw story and like media matters and all all these liars, you know, Oh my God, Donald Trump Jr. Said, this is what we got to do. Click here for nonsense. Uh, These guys will do that. But you know, Alex Jones for like a month uh, would put these people in his place because again, uh, not saying he's got everything right, but man, he's been a lot more right uh, over, over the last decade or so uh, than anyone in our mainstream media. Uh, and I can say that with effect, and I'll get criticized for it, but that's reality. Uh, he has been far more right than our mainstream media on the vast majority Amen. of things uh, that are out there. Um, so prepare for the clickbait hit pieces. I'll call it here now. They will do that, but like, you know, look at all the clowns that pushed Russia, Russia, Russia for years. Like, oh, they're credible journalists, guys. They get Pulitzer Prizes for the reporting on Russia. Ru- you know, that you mean so they reported on a lie. Turns out none of it was true, but they have a Pulitzer Prize for their reporting on a lie that turns out to be true. They don't remove the Pulitzer Prize. No, no, no. They did a great job. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They did the work of the regime and they knew it. They all knew it, guys, because we all knew it. You didn't have to be an insider to know it was. Um, yeah, Alex Jones's batting average is 10x better than CNN. Not even close. It's not even close. Uh, let's see. Don Jr., Alex Jones, 2028. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, it would be fun. Uh, it would be fun. Uh, yeah, we, we have to put together a, a, a just we gotta get Don Jr. one in studio. day. Uh, just like a day one team, uh, just, just to piss these people off. Just, it's funny. Like the amount of like earned media, they think it's a hit piece. You know, Don Jr. Jokingly said that Laura Loomer should be press secretary for a couple of weeks. Like, I'm not even joking. I'm actually serious. I'm not saying permanently, right? But like for a week, uh, we, we got to get the all-star roster. All right. The left you guys has the audacity in this one. Okay. To say that Don Jr. Was a cokehead. Remember that they were, they were always talking about how he was on Coke. He was a party animal. He was just sort of this trust front fund baby, this rich kid that was just partying and doing cocaine. Can you imagine sitting and listening to Hunter Biden for that period of time, that two minutes and 42 seconds and sounding as coherent and reasonable and not dishonest as Don Jr. does right there. I mean, he was funny. He's relatable despite the fact that he is the son of a billionaire and the son of a former president of the United States, 
hopefully to be president of the United States again, 2024. He is more relatable than Hunter Biden, who's just a poor senator's son. Just a humble senator's son. But Don Jr. is the one that has a drug problem. He's the one that's out of control. He's the one that's been the benefactor of this nepotism. Not Hunter. And then when you criticize Hunter, they said, well, Hunter's not the president. Hunter's not running for office. It's like, yeah, well, neither is Don Jr. But you don't hesitate to talk crap about him. It's, oh, well, he's part of the administration. You don't think Hunter Biden's part of the administration when he's given 10% kickback to his dad? You don't think Hunter Biden has administration influence and leverage when they're, he's negotiating millions upon millions of dollars of investments and deals with the CCP, various other interests all over the world while his dad's vice president, and then his dad's the president now and constantly trying to cover for him? House Republicans seek documents from the White House over Biden's involvement in Hunter Biden's refusal to comply with congressional subpoena. So are they conspiring together to be in contempt of Congress? They weren't so happy when Biden, excuse me, Bannon was allegedly in contempt of Congress. But when Hunter does it, it's fine. Comer and Jordan investigate whether President Biden sought to obstruct his son's cooperation with the House impeachment inquiry. Well, I would, too. If somebody was going to have to cooperate with law and they knew some dirt on me, they had some dirt on me. I tell you what, folks, we're going to know it's over for Joe Biden as soon as we hear that he is pardoning his son. As soon as we hear that Hunter Biden's pardoning, getting pardoned, that's when we know Joe Biden's out and the replacement is set. And I don't know who the replacement's going to be. We, we float Michelle. We float Kamala. We float Gavin Newsom. I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe they haven't decided yet, but I'll tell you what. The communication that we've been getting from Kamala Harris on her social media has abruptly shifted. Suddenly she's featuring Doug more. Have you guys noticed that? She kept talking about Doug last week. I just kept responding. Who is Doug? Apparently it's her husband. I don't know why she's featuring him. Is she just like trying to say that she gets along with white people too? Like Here's the white guy that I married. See, I get on my knees for white guys too. Well, for me, I, I, I really think that she's trying to push this idea that she's some sort of like mother or wife or open-minded person or progressive. It seems like there's been a shift in her messaging and her brand that implies to me that she might actually be interviewing for the position of candidate. It might not be set yet. It might not be a given yet, but it seems to me that she is a contender. Still, it hasn't been decided yet. I think they know that it's not going to be Biden, and they're trying to figure out with their research and their polling and their demographics and all the analytics that they have. They're trying to figure out who the candidate needs to be, and they're all going to rally around that person. But the fact of the matter is, if Joe Biden pardons Hunter Biden and resigns as president of the United States before the election, that means that Kamala Harris will be the president of the United States, and that would be a major advantage as an incumbent, statistically speaking, historically speaking. And maybe he'll wait and he'll just say, hey, I'm not running, but I'm going to finish my term. Maybe that's what he'll do. But she's in a very, very lucky position if she does have political ambitions because no one likes her. No one supports her. No one was going to vote for her. She was doing abysmally in all the polls during the primary. Yet she is one lithium ion battery away from being the president of the United States and perhaps one lithium ion battery away from being the president, presidential candidate for the next four years.
We're going to take your calls in the next segment. Make sure you call 877-789-2539. Again, that's 877-789-2539. In the meantime, visit InfoWarsStore.com. The game-changing New Year's specials from InfoWars, which are here, get up to 60% off plus free shipping and double Patriot points. The new year is upon us. It's time to reevaluate your approach to your supplement routine with these InfoWars essentials. Powerhouse formulas are up to 60% off and savings don't stop there. Check it out at InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. I talk a lot about the great successes InfoWars has had. I don't think anybody can deny it. And it is because of listeners and viewers supporting us. But when we talk about the crew at InfoWars, people behind the scenes, the researchers, the writers, they really have been the MVPs in this fight. And when we look at Harrison Smith and Owen Schroyer and the hard work they engage in every day, five, six, seven days a week, it's really just incredible. So for myself and the whole InfoWars crew, I thank you for your past support. And I want to encourage you now to realize that InfoWars cannot stay on air if you do not support us. I know you spread the word. I know you pray for us. and That's wonderful. Keep doing it. But most viewers and listeners never go to InfoWarsStore.com and you never buy great products that enrich and empower your life while at the same time keep us on air. I know that less than 1% of our listeners actually go buy products at InfoWarsStore.com. If just 1% more of you took action and went to InfoWarsStore.com, our funding problems will be over. Please take action now.